As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. You got to understand something here. This music is the glue of the world. It holds it all together. Without this, life would be meaningless. What are you getting so crazy about? It's just music. Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Codd. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today on the world's only rock and roll talk show, we're going to celebrate Independence Day Sound Opinion style. That's right, Greg. You and I are going to play our favorite rock songs ever about America, and we're going to hear picks from our listeners as well. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time to welcome our newest affiliate, 89.5 WNIJ, serving the southern Wisconsin and northern Illinois region. Jim, I have a special fondness for this uh, particular piece of geography because that is where Cheap Trick sowed its wild seeds in the 70s, well before it was right in the middle, yeah. Exactly. Nationally renowned band. They used to play all over southern Wisconsin, northern Illinois, based in Rockford. Their 1977 debut album is still a spectacular rock and roll record and to honor welcoming WNIJ let's play a track from it it's called The Ballad of TV Violence from Cheap Trick on Sound Opinions Yeah. 
You're listening to Sound Opinions. Time now for some music news. Greg, I think that there's more than seven things that uh, made Hannah Montana fans furious about Ticketmaster. I think we can credit that young artist for the latest legal fight about ticketing in the music business. If you recall, tickets were out of control for that Hannah Montana tour, and that really made a lot of legislatures and a lot of fans and the music press look at how are tickets being sold. Ticketmaster, the giant monopolistic ticketing agency that pretty much controls the business for now, it's going to change next year when Live Nation gets its piece of the pie, uh, has a lot of things wrong with it, but it had one very right point. There was a company called RMG, which was manufacturing software that allowed ticket brokers as they preferred to be called, we might also call them scalpers, across the country to sit there and with a computer, you know, you're on the phone or you're online, you've got one chance out of the thousands of people who want tickets. These companies were using this software to besiege Ticketmaster with tens of thousands of calls per minute. So they had the deck stacked in their favor. They were able to get tickets while you, the consumer, were not. It's made its way through court, and now RMG Technologies owes $18 million to uh, Barry Diller's Ticketmaster, according to the U.S. District Court for the Central District of California. And he's put a temporary ban on that software. They're not going to be able to use it. RMG was saying, hey, we didn't lose so much as we ran out of money to fight this in court. Ticketmaster's pockets are deep indeed. But I do think it was an unfair technology that gave some people the upper hand and hurt the regular consumer. Well, two things, Jim. Uh, the $18 million fee is going to put this company out of business if they, they yeah. do indeed have to pay it. So Ticketmaster is never going to see that money, probably. And, and secondly, they're going to kill this software. But you know what? Some guy's in his basement right now inventing the next line of the software. So the yeah. end of this is not anywhere near. Mr. Cott, that is a little bit of Chinese democracy, the much-ballyhooed, long-awaited next album from Guns N' Roses. It's been 17 years that Axl Rose, the only original member of Guns N' Roses, let's face it, they were the signature hard rock band of the late 80s, okay, just before Alternative blew up and blew them off the map. They were the most important rock band in the world for, you know, two years, right? Okay. We've been waiting now 17 years for this guy to give us this <laughs> album, Chinese Democracy. It is supposed to already hold the record as the most expensive recording in history. Yeah. He spent so long and has re-recorded it so many times. Well, some of it leaked on the web recently, courtesy of a blog called Anti-Quiet and a blogger known as Squirrel. <laughs> All right? <laughs> the record company instantly hopped on this guy's throat, and he willingly took the files down. But you can't put the genie back in the bottle, okay? Right. The downloads had already gone all over the web. 
One day he answers his door. Somebody's ringing his bell at 7 a.m. in California. And there are two what he calls Mulder and Scully types, two FBI agents there. It's not enough that he took them down under threat from the record company. They want to know where, yeah, where yeah. he got those files. And then they also went to him at work, and they started, like, hassling this guy. But the, the picture <laughs> of these agents in black, okay, doing Axl Rose's bidding, find upstanding American citizen that he is, shake them. You just think, like, shouldn't the FBI be out stopping counterfeiting, solving white collar crime. Don't they have anything better to do? Yeah, I could just see the, the director of their local bureau saying, there's this Axel Rose guy. We got to help him out. We got some federal crime being committed. They won't stop calling. Uh, you know, Axel has alienated everybody. His entire band has left him. Yeah. The original Guns N' Roses are nowhere near that camp. So it's basically the Axel Rose solo project right now. So he's alienated his entire band. Now he's working on his fan base. He's trying to alienate them, too. We're going to send the FBI to your house, criminalize yeah. all the people who want my music. Because there's at least, what, 15 people who still <laughs> care about Chinese democracy. Sound Opinions, we are doing our favorite rock songs ever about America, Greg, in honor, obviously, of this weekend's holiday, the Independence Day, July 4th celebration. What else do you start with besides <laughs> Jimi Hendrix's cover of the Star-Spangled Banner? Our national anthem, often forgotten, written in 1814 at the height of our second war with England, the War of 1812. It is, it's a war anthem. It's a warlike song, and Hendrix, when he performed it at Woodstock in 69, was using his guitar to mimic, many critics say, there's still controversy about this, mimic the sound of the bombs mm-hmm. falling on Vietnam. We were at the height of the war with Vietnam. He was reconnecting, I think, in a way that most baseball versions of that song, baseball anthem versions of that song, do not, uh, that this was a song about war. Yeah, exactly, Jim. I think what Hendrix was doing at Woodstock in 69 was taking a deeper look at what America is, and I think uh, a lot of the songs we're going to play today are designed to do that as well. Look beyond the surface, look beyond the mere celebration, but the complexity of the country that we live in. Uh, Not only are you and I going to give our favorites, but we're going to also go to some of our callers and give them a chance to chime in with their favorite American songs as well. Yeah, yeah. We could have gone in a million directions with this. We could do this show every day of the week because you and I are both history fans in addition to being music critics. I'm going to stay on the historical tip. I'm going to play a song by Bob Marley that's called Buffalo Soldier. One of the things I love about America, one of the things I love about reading history is just how complicated this country is. We, You know, that America love it or leave it simplification. of No, the thing that's great about this country is it was founded by a bunch of hell-raising, yeah. punk rocker, <laughs> revolutionary philosophers, you know, who adopted all of man's and women's complexity and, and tried to build a country out of that. 
Bob Marley, I think, when he wrote the song Buffalo Soldiers, he was, uh, you know, not railing against America, but but talking about a certain sadness. The Buffalo Soldiers were the first African-American regiments incorporated in the U.S. Army. It was the Native Americans, the Indians, that coined that term for them because their skin was black, like the buffalo. Here were these African-American soldiers who were taken out to the Southwest, fighting, campaigning in the desert, to drive the Native Americans to their reservations. Two oppressed peoples of this country turned by the powers that be, the imperialist expansion, against each other. And now it's being sung about a century later by a great Jamaican Rastafarian mm-hmm. artist in Marley. Uh, is this song critical of America? Yeah. But is it part of American history? Absolutely. And is it an amazingly great song? You know it. Mm-hmm. Buffalo Soldier by Bob Marley on Sound Opinions. Buffalo Soldier by Bob Marley, 1983, Confrontation was the album. Greg, you got an American song for me? Great choice, Jim. Uh, Yes, I do, absolutely. I'm going to go in kind of chronological order. I've got four Ah. songs. We're each going to play four here, and I'm roughly going to go in chronological order because I think that in itself tells a story. The song I'm going to start with is uh, Chuck Berry, Promised Land from 1964. Context here, Berry, obviously one of the inventors of rock and roll in the 50s, 
and was on the downside of his career when he made this song in a lot of ways because he'd just spent two years in federal prison. He'd been arrested under the Mann Act, which uh, basically said you can't transport a minor across state lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, the charges were a bit trumped up. There was a lot of racial animosity going on at that trial, and Barry ended up in prison for two years. When he got out of prison, he discovered that his music, which had nearly been forgotten, was suddenly popular again because the Stones and the Beatles were all on the charts with Chuck Berry songs. Suddenly, Chuck Berry was back in in the limelight. And in a way, he was celebrating that with this song, but also questioning it. He, He had a lot of anger and a lot of bitterness about what happened to him. And you won't hear it in this song because Chuck Berry was too great of a songwriter and too big of a man, really, to do that in a particular song. But what you have here is a classic Chuck Berry travelogue and all the complexity that is involved in that. So he's crossing the country. He's going from the East Coast to the West Coast, the mythical promised land. California is where I'm going to make it, man. And that's what this country says. It tells us that you you go out West, you go to California, it's the promised land. America is being hailed as the promised land. Chuck Berry is looking a little deeper beyond that. So he ends up getting involved in a a racial situation in the South. He goes to New Orleans, gets drunk. His his friends throw him on a plane. (laughs) He's flying over California. He lands in California, but he's dead broke. He can't even call home. He's got to call collect. So there's all these little subtleties in this song. It sounds like, wow, the guy's made it, but you dig a little deeper. And Chuck Berry's saying, you know what? What it all says on the surface isn't really how it is beneath the surface. It's a great song, great travelogue of America, Chuck Berry, The Promised Land from 1964 on Sound Opinions.
That is Chuck Berry with Promised Land from 1964, one of my favorite American songs of all time. Jim and I are going to be back with some more picks, and we're also going to take some calls from our listeners. That's coming up next on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. Greg and I are talking about some of our favorite rock songs ever about America. We're going to hear some of your picks as well. But, Mr. Kai, you beat me to the Chuck Berry punch. I think it's interesting that both of us brought with us here uh, songs by Chuck Berry. Because if you had to choose the quintessential American rock artist, I mean, sure, you think about the Beach Boys and, and you think about Simon and Garfunkel and artists like the Dylan, of course, obviously, yeah. you know, Pete Seeger, Woody Guthrie, right? But I don't know, something about Chuck Berry. You know, only in America could rock and roll be born, and rock and roll starts with Chuck Berry. I'll take a turn, okay? Rather than playing Chuck's version of Back in the USA, a song that was inspired by one of his first trips out of the country. He uh, apparently went to Australia and was horrified by the way that the native peoples of Australia were living, came back and wrote this song back in the USA, which, much like the one you played, is partly a celebration, but also a little bit in between the lines of, like, you know, in some ways, the poorest people in this country aren't mm-hmm. living much better right. than those people in the backwoods of Australia. It was famously it became rewritten as back in the USSR by mm-hmm. the Beatles. It wound up uh, as a key track on, on Linda Ronstadt's uh, Living in the USA album. The Stones have covered it. Keith Richards loves the song. Okay. But I'm going to play the MC5's version of it. It was the title track of their 1970 album back in the USA. This is when the band is trying to get back in touch with its rock and roll roots. You know, it had been posited as the standard bearers of the American Revolution by John Sinclair and the White Panther Party. That was never all that the MC5 was about. I mean, these were kids from Detroit who were motivated by the race riots in that city and saw the inequities and wanted to get involved in politics, but they were also kids who played sock ops and loved 50s rock and roll and tried to take it somewhere new by infusing that electric energy of the bebop movement. Back in the USA, produced by a fellow named John Landau, who was a rock critic who would go on to produce a guy named Bruce Springsteen. But this is where Landau kind of cut his teeth and said, Hey, cover one of the great USA songs of all time. 
They go to Chuck Berry. You have the MC5 playing back in the USA on Sound Opinions. Barry's back in the USA as rendered by the MC5. We want to hear now from some of our listeners, get their picks for the best rock songs about America. Jen is on the phone from Brooklyn. Jen, welcome to Sound Opinions. Thank you. So we're running down favorite songs about America. What's your top pick? Um, I chose the song America by Simon and Garfunkel. Yes! Great choice. Thank you. I chose it, really, because I actually learned something about this country through this song. Because I think this song is about, you know, those four words that set this country apart from all the others, the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at first listen, I always found this song to be really cynical, you know, like America should be in air quotes or something. And, um, you know, they start all happy in the beginning, setting off on their life together and all having fun on the bus. And then they get kind of bored and then downright depressed. But, you know... <laughs> I mean, it's about the pursuit of happiness and then, you know, the inevitable pressure and disappointment that generally results in it. Then September 11th happened, and um, and then a few days later they had the concert for New York, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the show opened with Bowie just sitting there with a little kitty keyboard, and he's singing this song, and I'm sitting here, like, with soot on my windowsills from the towers, you know, and I'm thinking, why is he doing this song, but... Um, it kind of took on a different meaning for me then, and I realized it's not really about happiness. We were never really promised that, just sort of the freedom to pursue it as many times as we want and as many ways as we want. And that's why I love this song. Yeah, yeah, I think that's well said. That's Jen. beautiful, Jen. That's wonderfully <laughs> said. Even when you're counting the cars on the New Jersey Turnpike. Exactly. You are still Everyone's having the right. still looking. Yep. There you go. Let, let's hear a little bit of uh, Simon and Garfunkel's America. Right. Counting the cars on the New Jersey Turnpike, they've all come. 
Simon's Immortal America, a wonderful pick from Jen. Thank you, Jen. Pleasure was all mine. Next up, we've got uh, Jim from Exton, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the show, Jim. Hey, guys. How you doing? So, Jim, we're running down our favorite songs about America. What's your favorite? Uh, my pick is Sinkhole by the Drive-By Truckers. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I want to hear the reason for this. Sinkhole. Okay. Well, you know, when I think about American-themed songs... I typically go for like these big sweeping themes that kind of get wrapped up into these small slice of life packages. And in my opinion, nobody really does that better than drive-by truckers. The song is basically a story about this fifth generation farmer who's fallen on some hard times and his farm is foreclosed on by this banker. And it's kind of the first half is this little man versus big man story, kind of fairly standard, but then all of a sudden it turns on a dime into this weird murder fantasy where the um, the farmer dreams about having the, the banker over to his house, he feeds him some pot roast and some banana pudding, and then walks him around the house out in the, uh, out in the farm, and uh, kills him dead and buries him in the old sink hole. So, wow, I mean, that's like the plot from Motel Hell, I remember that movie. <laughs> that is a twist and a half, Wow. Let's hear. Yeah. We got to hear some sinkhole now to get in the proper spirit. bit of sinkhole from the drive-by truckers great band jim and a, a terrific choice a out of left field choice I, lo- I love those songs that have uh, like three parts to them with with the wicked twist at the end <laughs> that's what i love about it too thanks for coming on the show jim all right guys thank you some great suggestions from our listeners jim as usual before we get back to our callers let's continue our rundown of our favorite songs of the American way for the last 30, 40 years. As I said, I'm, I'm sort of proceeding chronologically. Chuck Berry from 64. Now I want to go to another 1964 song, Sam Cooke, A Change Is Gonna Come. Up until that point, Sam Cooke had primarily been a pop singer. Uh, no denying he was a great voice. Was on the charts consistently with songs like Twisting the Night Away and Having a Party and Bring It On Home to Me. Great voice, great singer. Never really profound in terms of message. So for him to go to this next level was a pretty profound thing. There were several things that inspired the writing of this song. First and foremost, Cook was blown away by the fact that Bob Dylan wrote a song like Blown in the Wind, which seemed to encapsulate what was going on in the civil rights movement at the time. Cook couldn't believe that a white guy could encapsulate so clearly what the black community was feeling in America at that point. For Cook personally, a couple of tragedies in his life, the death of his 18-month-old son in an accidental drowning in 1963, and then soon after seeing himself and his band turned away when they tried to register at a hotel in Louisiana. 
That really made an impression on Cook, and he started jotting down lyrics in his notebook. He was afraid to show them to anybody else because he knew he was going to a deeper place, a more personal place in his lyric writing, but eventually went in the studio and cut A Change Is Gonna Come with a great arrangement by Rene Hall, a mournful French horn at the center of it all. But really, the key to this song was Cook and the deeper level he reached as a lyricist and as a singer, saying that, you know, we are going through some really heavy times right now, but somehow, some way, we're going to pull through it. This song was adopted by the civil rights movement by people like Martin Luther King. It was sung at rallies throughout the South in the 60s, and Cook was not around to enjoy it, unfortunately. He died at an early age, but his song lives on, and to, to this day, I think it's one of the great statements ever made about America by Sam Cook. A change is going to come on Sound Opinions. I was born by the river In a little tent Oh, and just like the river I've been running Ever since It's been a long A long time coming But I know A change gonna come it will It's been too hard living But I'm afraid to die I don't know what's up there Beyond the sky It's been a long A long time coming But I know change gonna come Oh, yes it will I go to the movie And I go downtown Somebody keep telling me Don't hang around It's been a long A long time But I know a change gonna come Oh, yes it will Then I go to my brother And I say, brother, help me please But he winds up knocking me back down on my knees. Oh, been Sam Cooke, a change is going to come. You can hear it in his voice, the pleading, the yearning for a better America. Jim, what do you got next? Yes, Greg, A Better America. I think that that's what this song I'm going to play is about as well. It's called The Big Country. It's from the second album by Talking Heads. More songs about buildings and food. David Byrne is flying over the United States. I see the shapes. I remember from the maps. (laughs) I see the shoreline. I see the whitecaps. This is a song about that uniquely American curse and blessing of Conspicuous consumption. I mean, you know, when this country gets down to it, it can it can outproduce any place else in the world. 
it can also out-consume and out-pollute any place else in the world. Byrne is seeing the, the, the stuff that's grown in the farmlands, and he's seeing it it's sold and going to waste in the stores. I'm tired of looking out the windows of the airplane. I'm tired of traveling. I want to be somewhere. I wouldn't live there if you paid me, is what he's saying. You know, David Byrne's a great American, and the Talking Heads are a very American band. I don't think he means that he would rather live anywhere besides America. I think what he means is, I don't want to live this way, and mm-hmm. I wish other people wouldn't either. Here's The Big Country by Talking Heads on Sound Opinions. Country by Talking Heads, produced by Brian Eno, I'll interject. To nominate other songs about America or to comment on anything we've talked about on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 1-888-859-1800. We'll be back in a minute on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media with our final Independence Day rock song picks.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. Jim and I are running down our favorite songs about America. But before we give our final picks, we want to hear from another listener. Let us talk to Paco from San Juan, I think our first ever caller from Puerto Rico. Welcome to the show, Paco. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Have you got a pick about America? Is it a song about making Puerto Rico the 51st state? (laughs) Well, that one was uh, sung in uh, West Side Story, but that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As a matter of fact, it was called America. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, but uh, my pick is uh, Living in America by James Brown. Uh, It was used in the film Rocky. Yes, yes. Man, when James Brown walked in, you know, with all that glitz, glamour, and bombastic sound, (laughs) you know, that's, for me, that's America, you know. I was just uh, traveling through Europe, and it's funny, you know, they might put America down and all this, but, man, they love the music, because everywhere you go, it's American music. It's rock and roll all the way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Let's hear a little bit of James Brown's Living in America. the blood pumping, I'll yeah. say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Fireworks. Hey, man, before we let you go, down on, on, on the island of Puerto Rico, do they celebrate the 4th of July? Or is oh, it... yes. Oh, yes. We sure do, yeah. Come down, guys. you got to do a show here. Yeah, oh, we, we got to get an affiliate and come, come visit. Huh? There's uh, an idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what exactly do you need to do on 4th of July? What, what is a classic 4th of July celebration in, in San Juan like? Well, everybody goes to the beach, because pretty much that's all we do. And um, everybody drinks a lot, they eat a lot, and... Um, they relax. All right, sounds good. We're coming. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thanks for calling, man. Okay, appreciate it, guys. Bye-bye. Wow, so cool for uh, San Juan to chime in on our great debate about the best American songs. I'm going to continue with uh, my selections, Jim. Earlier I played Chuck Berry and Sam Cooke with their takes on America. And continuing the thread, this whole issue of the racial divide in this country had sort of faded from the limelight in the 70s. Uh, The civil rights era was essentially over at that point. A lot of singer-songwriters started writing these confessional songs. It was much more about the personal. It was much more about looking inward rather than looking outward at the culture. But as usual, the outsider, the guy looking outside in, was, was Randy Newman and telling Mm. us about how we live and who we are as Americans. And he did that in album after album and song after song. He may explain why he wasn't as big a seller as, say, Jackson (laughs) Brown or Carol King, you know. John Mellencamp. Yeah, people didn't want to hear what was wrong with this country. Randy Newman was perfectly willing to step up and speak out about what he saw as the continuing injustices in this country. And he did it with a wicked sense of humor. He was Jon Stewart before there was Jon Stewart. I mean, he was a political commentator. He was incredibly astute also very funny and also very dark. It all comes across in the song Sail Away, which is a beautiful-sounding song on the surface. You think, what a great melody, and then you listen a little closer, and what you got going on here is a slave trader as a used car dealer, basically saying, you have a life ahead of you that you cannot believe in this new country called America. Basically saying, packaging a life of misery 
as a new opportunity to these soon-to-be slaves on the shores of Africa as they are about to be shipped over to America. It's a devastating song, a devastating commentary about uh, how this country was built and how it was created and the good old-fashioned salesmanship that undergirds America to this day. Sail Away from Randy Newman on Sound Opinions. In America, you get food to eat. Won't have to run through the jungle and scuff up your feet. You just sing about Jesus and drink wine all day. It's great to be an American. Ain't no lion or tiger, ain't no mama snake Just a sweet watermelon in the buckwheat cake Everybody is as happy as a man can be Climb aboard little walks, sail away with me Sail away Is sail away from Randy Newman. Jim, you've got one more pick for your favorite American song. What's it going to be? Greg, these have all been pretty heavy picks, but I, I would remind people, again, America is a great country, but it's a country founded on bloody revolution. Mm-hmm. One of the only countries in history that has built something great out of something violent. I think sometimes it's helpful to have a perspective from somebody outside the country on this country. This is one from an Englishman. You know, we stole this country from them, and, and there's a love-hate relationship about that. I think when Robin Hitchcock looked at America on an album called uh, Groovy Decay, he was thinking about the things that are great. Really, Hitchcock is a huge cult star, and the reason he's had a, a great musical career is because America's embraced him, but also the things that are that are daunting. America can eat you alive, and I think that in this song, which was best done by his group, the Egyptians, there's a bunch of reissues coming out from that mid-Robin Hitchcock period where he had a wonderful band called the Egyptians. Uh, they put out a great live album that kind of resuscitated his career called Gotta Let This Hen Out, and I think the centerpiece of that album was the version of America, which in its original incarnation uh, wasn't near really is good. I think Hitchcock's saying, this is a great country, but it will eat you alive. <laughs> I gave America your name and she taped it on the sea. I gave America your kiss and she blew it over me. 
in typical Hitchcock fashion. It's all very wistful. It's whimsical. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but you're left with a real emotional resonance of both triumph and also a little bit of scare. I'm a little scared of America. Mm -hmm. Here's Robin Hitchcock with America. Where do you live? Where do you eat? Do you still live on Samaford Street? The children we were have grown into us. You in a car and me in a bus. How do you know you recognize me? I'm not too clear, but I'm easy to see. Moving alone through the fossilized crowd. Robin Hitchcock with America. Interesting, Jim. You've had a couple of picks from uh, people who are not American residents are writing songs about America, and I think that's an interesting perspective on this country. And one of the things that I've tried to bring through in some of the songs that I've played uh, today is that there are franchised people in America and there are disenfranchised people. And sometimes the most interesting songs about the country have been written by these people who feel that they are outside the power elite in America. That would include this particular song written by Chuck D. of Public Enemy, Fight the Power. You know, Chuck went on and on about how hip-hop was the black CNN in the 80s. And this sounds like a report from the front lines, the way it begins, 1989, the number, Another Summer. You know, a lot was made in this song about the lines that he wrote about Elvis Presley and John Wayne. And what does he, what's he mean that Elvis Presley was a racist? What, he, what he's really saying there is, where are the black heroes being elevated in this country? We're seeing postage stamps for people like Elvis Presley and John Wayne, but where are the black heroes being elevated in our classrooms and our, in our institutions? Why are we not represented? He was outraged that Bobby McFerrin had a huge hit with a song called Don't Worry, Be Happy the summer before. He says, how can you sing a song like that at a time like this? So what this song was essentially saying, Fight the Power, wasn't about armed revolution. It was more about don't be passive. Don't accept what you're being handed out. It's basically an alarm clock, and it's saying, wake up. Be engaged. 
Be a vigilant citizen. Be aware of what's going on in your country. And you know what it is above all? It is a great piece of dance music. You put this mm. on at a barbecue in the summer, and you're going to have your whole party dancing. <laughs> and that's what I love about it. But I, is, I agree. That, that message yeah. is the most American, the fundamental American spirit. That's Fight a, the power. Exactly. Get up there and dance. Get up there and enjoy yourself, but think while you're doing it. Let's fight the power from Public Enemy on Sound Opinions. One of the great rock and roll American anthems of all time, Public Enemy, Fight the Power. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Jim, we have another all-American show. One of the great American record labels, Sub Pop out of Seattle, is celebrating, believe it or not, its 20th anniversary. Can you believe that? 20 years wow. since the heyday of it's an institution. grunge with Mudhoney and Nirvana and Soundgarden. We're going to be looking back at those days and what the label is doing today. Greg, as always, Sound Opinions was produced by our ace team of Todd Bachman, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn with interning assistance from Dylan Peterson. And, you know, I've been thinking, okay, Independence Day, if you are the Thomas Jefferson of this show, and I am, if I may be so bold, the Benjamin Franklin, Tory Southside Malatia, he's John Adams, I think. <laughs> Hi, this is Michael Jackson. And this is Ryan Fest, and we want to welcome you to... On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. Now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. 
Hey, guys. Sorry, I can't use the landline. I'm in my car. This is Lou in Syracuse. I just uh, flipping through the dial, caught your show. Fantastic. Who knew that, that a, a rapper would be remaking Michael Jackson and putting out some great sounds? Love your show. Going to find you guys whenever you're on. Thanks an awful lot. Hey, guys. This is Jay from Alexandria, Virginia. I've been listening to your show for a while on a podcast, and I've really been enjoying it. You give a great reverence to rock and roll history of all different styles, and it's fantastic. I've been learning a lot. However, your show a couple weeks ago featuring the band Cursive, I'd say brought the fun to a stop. I I appreciate you bringing attention to indie bands who who deserve it, but bad lyrics, bad music, bad execution just makes it really bad. And the first time I actually fast-forwarded through a podcast because I couldn't stand listening to them anymore. I'll keep listening and waiting for the next thing that you want to tell me about, but the way they executed, not happening. Thanks again. Look forward to the next podcast. Hey, Jim and Greg. This is Chris from Portland. I just finished your show. Uh, where you re- uh, reviewed the new My Morning Jacket record, and you guys hit it on the mark. I can't believe how terrible this album is. And the worst example is Highly Suspicious. It's just phenomenally bad. And they were a huge band for my wife and I. Our first summer being married, we listened to At Dawn and Transformation of Vincent by M. Ward like nonstop all summer. It was so great. And everything they'd done... Till this album, I just feel like everything they're going to do from here on is just going to be terrible. It's tragic. I loved the band, and now they are gone. Thanks for speaking the truth. Love the show. Hey, Jim and Greg. Uh... I'm a big fan of your show. Uh, I'm out of Syracuse, New York. But i got to say, your review of the My Morning Jacket album, Eve Orge, is pretty terrible. Uh, pretty much everyone I've uh, talked to recently thinks it's pretty much the album of 2008. And uh, i got to say, I agree with them. Um, on the other hand, uh, great show otherwise. Keep up the good work. Bye. Hi guys, this is uh, Lucas Christian from the Chicago area. Um, just wanted to call in and address something that you stated on your last show where you were uh, addressing the best albums of the year. Um, you stated that Lupe Fiasco um, had a tremendous influence with Pushkick on urban skateboarding. We, of course, have been fans since he debuted with an incredible record called Food and Liquor in 2006 and a hit called Kick Push, which I think did for urban skateboarding what uh, the Beach Boys did for surfing. And I want to say that I think you guys are wrong there, um, particularly with just uh, hip-hop. has been a huge influence on skateboarding and vice versa for a long time, probably 10, 15 years. You can look back at mixtapes and find um, a group like the Pixies on there as well as uh, a hip-hop group like Boot Camp Click or something. So um, it's been an influence for a long time, and I would say quite the opposite. That I think Lupe Fiasco is a result of skateboarding influence on hip-hop and vice versa. So um, keep up the great work, guys. Thanks. Push, 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 push,
coast. And the way they roll, just rebels without a cause, with no place to go. And so they kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, coast. So come roll with me, just a rebel, looking for a place to be. So let's kick, uh, uh, and push, yeah, yeah, and coast. No more messages. To give us your opinion on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, one 859 We'll be back next week with Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.